you mentioned the loss of a son. Pancho, the, uh, the irony today is he would have been 27 today. So yes, yeah, it's, it's really ironic uh, that we're doing this today because he, uh, he's celebrating his ninth birthday in heaven. We lost him when he was 18. So yeah, it's a tough day for me, but uh, this, is, this is therapeutic. Thank you. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. All right. Hey, welcome from Darkness to Life, another Our Collective Journey podcast. My name is Poncho. I'm joined by Amber. Hello, Amber. Hey, Poncho. And today's guest, uh, Tony Wozni. Did I get your last name right? Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Right on. Uh, so among other things, we're uh, going to talk about where you've been, where you are, what your goals are. And well, we were just talking about going to the gym and I think that's a good place to start. You were discussing, uh, you, you know, you want to get those endorphins released. And I guess if you're struggling, uh, whether mentally or if you're recovering from alcohol or drugs, there is something to be said for going to the gym or just even exercise to get those feel good endorphins released. Isn't there, Tony? Absolutely. I, uh, as a wellness coach, um, with Waz's warriors, um, I have determined over about an eight year span that I'm an endorphin junkie. So, uh, to stimulate your endorphin hormones, it's either fitness, it's laughing or it's music. And there's four other quadrants of good hormones that can, in essence, as an addict, which I am, replace the good hormones with those old numbing hormones that you used to use with drugs, alcohol, et cetera. And for me, I truly call it gym my sanctuary. I was blessed to be an athlete, uh, played hockey in Saskatchewan and came to Alberta and celebrated a, a national uh, junior hockey championship back in the day wow. and stayed in Alberta, the land of milk and honey. And uh, so the ability to kind of get away from the world and, and just to focus on your own self-care, um, really for me, Poncho, it was the, the turning point. Um, the worst stage for me was at 283 pounds, uh, basically lost my son in a car accident, uh, was a broken man. And uh, I started barely the five-minute treadmill process, couldn't even lift the weight. I was so chubby. And uh, slowly, that gained me back uh, where I am today. So I owe a lot to the ability to go to the gym. And it's not for everyone, but I really encourage people, um, if you are slowly moving in that direction, maybe you're intimidated or there's a reason you can't open those doors, start by even a cold shower. A Wim Wim Hof has a whole regime of, of starting a cold shower. You can start with a nature walk. It creates those good endorphins. Um, and then slowly migrate to the gym if, if, if that's the baby steps that you require. But great, great, great place to start today. Um, and again, uh, Amber's also uh, a real dedicated, what I call gym rat as well. And uh, I really encourage people to exercise when they can because it, it helps you mentally. And I, I, I like the physical part, but more importantly, I like how it kicks those positive endorphins in, Poncho. I completely agree. When I started going to the gym, it, it was to lose weight because I was closing in on, well, like yourself, Tony, I was closing in on, on 300 pounds. And what I learned was that 
emotional release, you know? And I think we can tie that in with, well, substance abuse or alcohol or mental health issues. We need to replace the bad habits in our life with something good to get rid of the bad habits and do nothing. That isn't necessarily super healthy either. So on both of your lived experiences, is that something that, that you did purge the bad habits, get some good habits and didn't, and, and, and how did it benefit you? I'll let Amber go first. Cause I'm a gentleman. <laughs> um, you know, as Tony said, I am a gym rat. I go five days a week consistently, um, unless I put injure myself, obviously, but it's such a key component of, of one piece of my recovery and making sure that I don't, you know, fall back into bad habits. There's many other things um, I do as well. Um, but that's a really big one for me. It just, it starts my day off, right? I get it done. I feel good. I get up early. You know, I, I go to a group led gym class. I do work out by myself at home sometimes, but it's nice to even just get out. I say hi to my friends at the start of the day. We crush a good workout, say goodbye. And it's just always sets my day up. Yeah, and, and for Tony, the best success. And Tony yeah. had a great point. I'm sure, much like yourself, walking out of that gym doors, walking out of those gym doors, you, you just feel good about yourself, right? You, I mean, you you feel confident. You know, you you've, the life life just seems a little bit brighter. You know, the sky seems a little bit bluer. The sun feels a little bit warmer when you can look after yourself. When you can remain positive. Tony, I want to backtrack for a second. And and if you don't want to talk about this, I completely understand. You mentioned the loss of a son. In- incredibly traumatic. I, I, I can't, I can't imagine. I, I really, really, really can't. Um, Poncho, the, uh, the irony today is he would have been 27 today. So yes, yeah, it's it's really ironic uh, that we're doing this today because he uh, he's celebrating his ninth birthday in heaven. We lost him when he was eighteen. So yeah, it's a tough day for me, but uh, this is this is therapeutic. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being so vulnerable. Thank you for being so honest. Thank you for being so open, and thank you for letting us into your life. I, I hope you know that by talking about your story, Tony, and, and talking about the hurt and the suffering and what you experience every day, this will inspire people. I promise you, I, I can absolutely guarantee it. Again, and I, I am sincerely sorry for your loss. I really, really, really am. And, and, you know, and the fact that it's happening today, the, the anniversary of, you know, your, uh, your boy. Yeah. It's birthday. Yeah. You'd have been 27. Yeah. But thanks for the awareness. It allowed me to emote. Um, Amber knows me and, and, uh, those who know me, I, I cry like I laugh and, uh, it, it's just so cathartic. And, uh, this is, it's, it's serendipitous. The universe is saying, we, I need to be on this podcast to, to get out to the to your viewing audience and listening audience to maybe resonate with someone who uh, can can appreciate or uh, I can inspire them to uh, kind of get through the day. 
Great use of serendipitous, by the way. Wow, that's got to be that's got to be the word of the day, right there. I mean, <laughs> that's impressive. I actually wrote it down. I know I wrote it down wrong, but I still wrote it down all the same. Right. On. So, what you experienced was that the beginning of a change for you? Absolutely. Um, there are people who know me um, say that losing a soul saved a soul. And it's truly the case in my situation. Um, I'm going to backtrack and give you a five-minute overview. I was a Saskatchewan boy, played a lot of hockey, came to Alberta. Um, all my buddies, my gloves were cemented on, so I would never drop my gloves as a defenseman. And back in the 80s, you had to fight. So I went to college, got an education. A few of my buddies made the NHL. And I was lucky enough to migrate into Calgary and, and marry a wonderful uh, lady. Um, and we had two beautiful children in Calgary. And through that experience, I coached my two boys uh, and was able to be that dad that my dad was for me. And then unfortunately, uh, I was in an entitled space and uh, I started becoming what we call a closet drinker. And I was entitled, I was afforded a, a vacation property in Banff, access to a property in Scottsdale, uh, golf course memberships, private gym memberships, um, a lot of generosity, uh, and as a result, I felt, uh, in, in, you know, basically uh, entitled and insecure. So I started to drink in the afternoons at noon. Uh, I was a salesperson, do my calls in the morning. I would drink in the afternoon and then uh, do my paperwork in the afternoon, you know, and, and, and kind of finish, finish up, go home, get, a, get in a fight with my wife, sleep downstairs so she wouldn't hear or uh, she wouldn't smell my breath. And that was a process that went on for a number of years. And then finally, the day that my, uh, my ex-wife had enough, she asked me to leave. And that created a downward spiral for me into severe alcoholism, extreme anxiety and depression. I call myself a dead man walking for 18 months. And nobody knew where I was except two people. And uh, I just, my ego was bigger than this world. And uh, it was going to take me out. So uh, I remember the day it was August 13th. Uh, or August 28th, 2013, I got a call in the morning and uh, a te friend texted me and said, I'm here for you, you know, whatever you need. And I had no idea what he was talking about. So I contacted my brother and he was on his way to, to, to rescue me and he wouldn't say anything. So I knew he was bullshitting me. So I hung up and I called my pastor because I know he wouldn't lie to me. And he said, yes, uh, your son passed last night in a car accident. And immediately my friends came to my, my, my rescue, uh, three days, they stayed with me. Um, they were able to pretty basically, uh, um, tell me that I, you know, per persuade me is the word I'm looking for, I guess, to, to go to treatment. And after the funeral, uh, where I put my son to rest, uh, I went to treatment for 30 days and to make a long story short, uh, I surrendered all the pain and shame of being a bad father, a bad person, a bad husband, and uh, surrendered it all. And I basically started again. And that's where I crawled into the gym and started one breath at a time, one hour at a time, one day at a time. And I'm sitting here eight years clean and sober. I'm a wellness coach. I have to give it away to keep it. And um, hmm. if there's one person out there that resonates with it, uh, you know, we've, our hours been spent in, in a well, in a well position. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at today. Um, and uh, yes, uh, if I wouldn't have lost my son, chances are I would have went to the street or who 
who knows what, but I was down to my last few thousand dollars and, and uh, it was very, very dismal. I was hopeless and it was my ego and uh, things turned around and people who know me, like I said, Poncho, uh, they say we lost a soul to save a soul. And, and here I am. Did you know that you were in a downward spiral? Because you know how sometimes others can see it, but, but you can't, did you know things were bad? Uh, no, I, I didn't. I uh, had such a big ego. Things came easy to me in my life. I just thought it was just a phase of my life where I love being a dad. I neglected my marriage. And uh, I just thought that's the way it was going to be. I was never going to leave the situation. And, uh, you know, those dark secrets take you out. And those dark secrets of me drinking at noon. And, uh, you know, basically that darkness is what fed my addiction and the pain of being inadequate. So um, what I've learned in the last eight years is, is I tell my clients, it didn't happen overnight, so it's not going to be repaired overnight. So we're so hard on ourselves as addicts. Mm-hmm. That's why we numb. That's why we, we take a pit stop when we're in that race um, is because we're so hard on ourselves. And if we can just celebrate those small victories, like you go to the gym once, take a deep breath, feel good about yourself, and then commit to doing it again in those baby steps will lead to great changes. And I'm sitting here uh, a testament to that whole process. And I'm so damn passionate about it. So is Amber. And uh, I'm trying to, to grow it into a business. I work with a group out of Calgary who actually has been involved in the Medicine Hat community, um, helping that group of people that uh, suffered the horrific suicide run there, uh, I think summer before last. Oh, it was awful. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's my calling now. And, and I attribute it to the turning point, Poncho, was the loss of my son. I want <clears> to, <throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I want to ask this to you, Tony, and I want to ask this to you, Amber, because when you're at the bottom of the bottom, when you are in the depths of despair, you really don't have a lot of choices. You have two choices. You can either choose to do something and fix your life, or you make no choice at all. And we know where that road heads to. Here's my question. Do you, did you ask yourself why? Why me? Because I imagine you had uncontrollable anger at some time for, for both of you. I know I did when I was going through my stuff. I and mean, I kept asking, why me? How come not them? How come not you? You know, and then you start yes. to, yeah. And then you start to feel sorry for yourself. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure everybody goes through that that emotion because it's funny when you when I think about it now looking back, you know, I, I definitely probably said, you know, I wish I had this friend's household growing up or this friend's household growing up and why do they have a normal life and why were they able to to not have any issues or get raised in this household or that household and and the funny thing is about it now is had their own problems. Household has their own problems. It wasn't mm. going to change mm. my outcome. My outcome was mine to change and nobody else's. And my circumstance was just mine. And yeah, you, I, and it's easy to pin yourself against because yeah, you're in the pit of despair. You're in self pity. Your ego's so big, like Tony said, and it is easy to, to judge yourself next to somebody else's household. But we all know as adults that, everybody's house has their own set of problems and issues that we just don't know about. 
Very good point. You are totally right. Tony, did you ask yourself why? Why Poncho, Poncho, my I spent hours pacing. I wore out socks on my hardwood floors with it with distraught with anxiety about the future because I lost my family. Um, I was depressed. I would lay in bed for hours, never sleep, looking at the roof and, uh, just so ashamed of the person I, what I've become and what position I was in. And I want to share with you, uh, an old fable, which really illustrates clearly how I think my mind works and Amber's works and a lot of us as addicts. And it's, it's a story about how important self-love and self-care is. An old Cherokee chief was sitting with his grandson. And he said, grandson, inside of all of us, there are two wolves that are battling. The first wolf is the dark wolf, full of anger, jealousy, greed, resentment, inferiority, lies, and ego. It's all fear-based. Then there's another wolf, the white wolf. He's full of joy, peace, hope, gratitude, kindness, empathy, and truth. The grandson looks over and says, Grandfather, which wolf wins? Hmm. The old Cherokee chief said, the one you feed. So my solution to my daily routine, Poncho, is every morning I take the time I need to feed that freaking white wolf because the big dark wolf with the demons are there every morning. And if I can feed the white wolf enough to keep the black dark wolf away, I have a half-assed chance of having a good day and not drinking and not using and not self-destructing. And to me, that illustrates, that fable illustrates exactly the journey a recovering addict needs to take every day of his life till his last breath. Because there is, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Amber. Yeah, well, it's funny because the white wolf is exactly what we fight off every day. We don't like, or the fear, we fight the fear off every day with the white, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anything good in your life, you know, anything good in your life takes effort. You know, it's, it's easy to let things fall by the wayside and and put no effort forth. I mean, if you want a fantastic garden, you just can't throw some seeds down and hope everything's works out. Life works the same way. I think you really have to put a a lot of effort into it. So. Tony, Amber, how do you get past those bad feelings? How do you get past the why? How do you get past of, of thinking as yourself as a victim or entitled? What was, what was the awakening moment? Let's start with you, Amber. Oh, man. You know, I think still today, I'm, I, I can be really critical of myself as an individual. I think we all can. You know, sometimes for me, I even have to just have to be vulnerable enough to tell someone how I'm feeling and say, you know, is this for real or am I just beating myself up? Yeah. Lately, I've been trying to do that at home more often because if I don't say it out loud, I sit with it. And if I sit with it, it manifests. Right. So and sometimes I think even being able for me just to bring those things out loud just gives me the ability to hear myself and know that I'm, I might be being ridiculous or someone can hear me and say, Hey, you know, does this really make sense, Amber? And that's, that's a big one for me is, is being vulnerable enough to share that I'm having 
shitty thoughts with myself. Yeah. Well, and, and you know what? I want to back up a little bit because that makes me think of something that, that you said, Tony, um, there was this, this stereotype because you need to let those feelings out. You have to, cause you bottle it up. We will go crazy. And you said you cry like you laugh and you laugh like you cry. And I'm exactly the same way. And for the longest time, well, you can't cry. That's a sign of weakness. What a load of shit that is. <laughs> right? I, I mean, oh. who can appreciate a good cry? Yeah. You need to release that. And it's okay to do that. We have no problems laughing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So why do you think there's this stigma? And do you think if more people cried, we'd have a lot more mentally healthy people in the world? 100%. I think, Poncho, uh, as a young man growing up, um, males have to unlearn and then relearn because we were taught to suppress our emotions. We were taught to suck it up, buttercup, don't cry, be a man, all those types of things that we were raised to do. And I'm a, I would call myself an alpha male, and I'm going to stand on the podium and with anyone and say the new regime is that courage and vulnerability of, of being in tune with your emotions as a man in 2022. Because your emotions take you out. If you don't recognize them as friends, they were my enemies, avoid them, and then all of a sudden you numb them. But if you are aware of them and you celebrate them and live from the inside out is, is the premise of my wellness practices, you identify your emotions, it creates your thoughts, your thoughts create actions, and your actions have consequences. It's a system. And it all begins with a male where you suppress your ego. When your ego dies, your soul awakes. And you have to listen to your heart, feel your way through life. This gets in the way, you get in your own way, and your mind, you can overthink shit way too much, especially if you're an addict and manipulator later like I am. So the whole thing deals with emotions. And like you said, Poncho, men have to unlearn them. Women even have to unlearn them as well. But typically women are it's more accepting in society to, to, to emote. And I'm telling you right now, that a cry is cathartic and it's necessary and it can save your life. It's crazy to say, but it's true. Mindfulness, awareness. That's, that's what I'm getting from this, Tony, that you, we need to live in the present. We can't dwell on the past. I, I, I think we need to, to keep that nearby, but we can't dwell on it. We learn from it. Likewise, we can't worry about the future. We can plan for the future. But we live to, we need to live here. We, we leave, we need to live in the now and overthinking. And I think this is one of the reasons why we fill our lives uh, with hobbies, with passion, things that make us feel good. The mind should be used as a tool. And a lot of us don't use it like that. A lot of the times it can be our, you know, our, our worst best friend. Does that, does that make sense? Amber, go ahead. Yeah, I just had a brain fart. <laughs> my, I, was, I was like, gonna say something. I was like, no, nah, went away. I a story in my life. I do that all just being a gentleman. The time. Just being I haven't done it in a while. That's it. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> no, no worries there. Um, Tony? Mindfulness uh, to me is a, is a meditative state of staying present. Um, you know, you talk about Dalai Lama and all these quotes of, of exactly what you said, Poncho, living in the past, as long as you learn from it, 
If you stay there, it's depression. Uh, future, you have to have some strategic structure to your forward movement in your life. But if you're fearful of it, it's anxiety. But everything happens in the present. And Eckhart Tolle talks about the awareness of being present. Because if you're not aware and present, and you're either living in the past or living in the future, you're missing out on what's happening right now. Yeah. And all that's happening in my life right now, if I, if I stay out of my way, is I'm hanging with Amber and Poncho and having a chat. And that's all my life is right now. But it what? takes discipline and practice. And one thing I want to make very important note is the why is your motivation. And in my life, in my journey, my son can't breathe anymore. My, his brother needs the best version of his dad. So I owe it to him to, to do this every day. So that's my motivation. Now my, 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 my why gets me going and my discipline keeps me going. Hmm. And I, I draw on my athleticism and that commitment in your mind to kind of keep it going. So, so it's, it's a system and it works. It just takes a hell of a lot of courage and awareness. And like you said, Poncho, on this segment, uh, mindfulness. I, I, and you know, it's I, funny. Sorry, I, I'm going to cut you off here, Poncho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something came to my mind is I, I listened to, I listened to a podcast or something too, and about it relates so well with mindfulness is our electronics, and I like to bring this up a lot because they can be such a distraction of trying to be present as well. Hmm. Like you ever just sit at home and. And then you're like, you know, you kind of got all these shitty thoughts in your mind. And instead of actually trying to figure out where they're coming from and where they're manifesting from, we just pick up our, you know, our electronics and, and before it's, you know it, we forget. And it's and a we're drug. distracted by our own social media. It's, yeah. a, it's the equivalent of a new drug. It's the equivalent of a new form of booze, right? Yeah. It's, it's just different in terms of how we ingest that. You have a, you have a really good point, Amber. You know, and that's something something else to be aware of. I, I mean, we have dangers and traps all around us. And so, Tony, when you say you have to remain disciplined so you can fulfill your why, I think that even makes it more important than ever. Is that part of, and I want to get into this, Waz is Warriors? Yes, it is, because the quote there, and I'm a walking quotation, um, Amber will attest to that, is... <laughs> You may not have the time. If you, if you don't have time, the priority is to make time. So when people say, I don't have time, that's a crock, you know what? Yeah. Make time, self-love, self-care. You can't pour from an empty glass, Poncho. You've got to take time to be the best version of, of yourself if that's a husband and a father and a friend and a brother and all those, rela- all those identities you have. It all starts with taking care of yourself, man. Simple. And so you got to make the time. To do it. How many times have we heard that? Got no time, can't do it, got to do something else. What's that something else? Ah, picking up one of these, more than likely, at least right, at least for a little while. And I want to ask this to the both of you: something that you just said, Tony. You can't look after your life. You can't look. You can't look after those that you love until you look after yourself. And we've all told people this and they go, oh, uh, you're just being selfish. No, far, far from. You're, not be, you're being selfless. You need to look after you so you can look after the ones in your life. So do you think that's something that a lot of us have not learned yet? Do you think that's something that is a priority 
in terms of maintaining positive health, in terms of getting healthier? Yeah, I like to, like, my fitness and things, those are like personal boundary almost Mm. for me is like, those are things that have to be done in my life. They're important to me and they're areas I don't, I don't bend on because if I do not take care of that aspect of my well-being in my life, I don't show up as a good wife. I don't show up as a good parent. I'm irritable. I'm tired. I, you know, all those things are a value to me. I'm fortunate to work for a company, you know, that also allows me to, to be here. This is great therapy for me going, you know, making time for my therapist when I need him is important to me. And, and I think there's like, there's areas where people are just being overly selfish. And then there's things that are just valuable to you that you need as a human being to be able to show up as your best self. And those are important things to always be doing. And yet not enough people do it for themselves. And not enough. No, not, not nearly enough. And, and Tony, you said something that we have to look after ourselves and we have to make time for ourselves you know, and the whole gym thing and the whole, have you ever done this? Have you, I mean, I was at the gym yesterday and I had such a good workout that I almost had tears of happiness. You know, I, I had those, those goosebumps and it just felt so good knowing that I was looking after myself physically and mentally. So, and you're right, Amber, when you walk out those doors, you feel good. You feel like you can look after the ones that you care about and that you love. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be the gym. I mean, you can go for a walk. I mean, any form of physical activity, heck, even just to get yourself outside and sit in nature can do a world of good. So looking after yourself, what was the motivation? Is this, that, is this something that you always knew or is this something that you had to learn? And is this something that you're continuing to learn? So I I don't know who wants to go first. For me, I know Tony speaks pretty passionately, uh, so I'm not sure how long he's been doing it. But I think over the last few years, even three, four years, I've really learned that those boundaries are so important to me. So important. So it was something that I had to, you know, get sober, get years of experience. And like I said, you know, I didn't go to treatment and I feel like I did like an uphill battle. So I was, a, I called myself a slow learner because I took the path of most resistance. Um, but, uh, you know, as an adult with more experience, more rationale, more understanding, I know, I know now those are things that are important and it's probably been over the last few years where I understood exactly what those boundaries were for me too. Entrepreneur, for me, it all, all started with self-forgiveness. And addicts mm. out there who are listening, you're enough. You are enough. And as addicts, we tell ourselves we're not. We get in a downward spiral. We create shame and guilt. Effort. Uh, mm. not, I'm not going to do it today. But you are enough. Uh, a quote I use is, just be you, the healthy ego in every human being. Believe in yourself. You take the B-E out of believe, and you take the Y-O-U out of yourself. Be you and you're enough. So start. The beautiful thing about life is every day we're given 86,400 seconds. We start again every freaking day. We only die once. So you got to look in the mirror. You got to love yourself enough and say, damn it, today's the day. And you start and you celebrate those small victories. Like I said earlier, one breath, one hour, one day, build it small, celebrate. 
But it all starts with looking in the mirror and loving what you see. And if you don't like what you see, you got to reach out and talk to people and be around the people. When my son died, I hated myself. I wanted to go away. But their love got me the treatment I needed. And I owe, I owe my life to them. So did yours flip-flop right away? Did you know that you needed that? Because in my situation, I felt like because I didn't, I didn't go through 12-step recovery. I didn't really go through recovery at all. I just kind of like pained my way out of it. And I think that when I came out of it, I felt like I, I owed life everything other than me. So I actually had to relearn that those boundaries were, were things that I actually needed. And so that's why mine came later in life is that when I came out of recovery, because I didn't really have all the tools necessary to know boundaries and things like that, I... Uh, I think I felt like I owed everybody everything. So I never actually gave myself that, that mm. time. Did you ever feel that? That you owed back what you maybe stole from yourself or took from others? Uh, personally, no, I haven't, Amber, but that's a good perspective. Poncho, I'm not sure about you. Similar, Amber. Um, I was less concerned about how I felt about myself as I was wanting to impress others, wanting to impress those around me. I want, it's kind of like Facebook. You hop on social media and people pick a lot of people just post pictures of them having fun lying in the sun, but you never see the bad days. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to show everybody that every day was a good day, that every day was a great day, that it was all sunshine and roses you know and when I finally admitted that that it wasn't and when I finally admitted that what matters is me my opinion matters to me it doesn't matter what the opinions of others mean to me it's like before you purge all those bad people in your life right the ones with the bad habits the ones with the bad attitudes there I was wanting to impress them and for what you know so for me, Amber, for me, Tony, that was a really big learning lesson. When I got my self-esteem back, when I gained a little bit of confidence, you know, and, and I think that's is huge too. But after a lifetime of being told that you're no good, that you can't do anything, that you'll never amount to anything, it is tough to pick yourself up, but you can do it, can't you? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at two people right now that have done that. And you can do it because you get a new start every day. Self-forgiveness. It's not your fault. You can't choose your parents or whoever put that in your mind. It's not your fault. You have the ability to start again and, and just, you know, the self-love piece. And like you said earlier, Punch, which I love is what people think about you is none of your business. And Amber talked about healthy boundaries. I love Keanu Reeves out there. He loves, he's been through hell, that guy, you know, the guy from Matrix. And he says, you have to basically have healthy boundaries. As long as you're kind and respectful to people, you can't control how they uh, basically take your information or however you communicate. And don't give a shit about what they think. And if they're not making you a better version of yourself, you, you can kindly and politely take them out of your life. And I love the healthy boundaries. And I love the fact that you brought up Poncho about, you know, being influenced by what people think at the end of the day, what people think about you is none of your damn business. Well, it's not easier. And it is easier said than done. But again, 
and Amber, you and I were talking about this earlier today. Good things are tough. And I get it. We all need to have a little bit of dark to see the light. And we all have to have light to see a little bit of dark. I, I think that as humans, I think that helps us recognize the good days and that every day should be lived to the fullest. You know, so I've been trying to do something for months and I have been failing at it miserably. But every day I try, and what I try to do is, they, whoever the hell they is, they say, if you can remain positive for 24 hours, and you're thinking, no, 24 hours, that's not a whole lot. If you cannot have a negative thought for 24 hours, it will change your life. Think I can do that? I maybe get three, four hours in, <laughs> then, and then that's it. And I think a part of that is, is just from a lifetime of being, you know, beat down. But Tony, you're right. Every day is a new start. Every minute, every hour, every step. You have so many chances to make a better life for yourself and to make a better life for those near you. But you got to be willing to take that first step. And you have to be willing to try and try and try again. That's, that's, yeah. the, that's the good thing about failing, right? You go, okay, this doesn't work. Let's try something else. Yeah, I think, you know, Derek from OCJ says it all the time is you got to be kind to yourself every day. Yeah. And, and again, that's right? hard because we, we can't, we can only make it yeah. so far without having a little hiccup or a bump and life is always going to throw, throw us into some type of a tizzy. So be kind with yourself. And I really it's like a, that. It's so powerful. That's so powerful, Amber, that if you, you haven't got to hope in hell to be kind to anyone else if you're not kind to yourself. It all starts with yourself, and 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 that is such a, a profound statement. Thanks for sharing that. I want to go back to Waz's Warriors. Um, yeah. Where do we learn more? How do we reach out? How do we find you? Um, my website is uh, Um I can I'll get it to you, Poncho. Uh, it's wozswarriors.com. Um, my wellness routine, um, basically I provide four things. It's not rocket science. I got that 10-step program, but I provide on a weekly or biweekly basis accountability, support, community, and perspective because I've walked the walk. And uh, when you talk about wellness, uh, you know, that's 24-hour um, example you used a few minutes ago. Uh, one of the big things we have to be aware of is uh, the greatest source of disappointment is an expectation. So uh, we, we try and need to live without expectation. And there's seven segments to wellness. Uh, you're on a spiritual journey, intellectual journey, physical journey, emotional community. You need your finances in tune. Um, but it all starts with a simple phrase. And Simon Sinek says it the best. All we want to do with those seven segments of wellness is be a little better than we were yesterday. That silo, there's seven silos. Just fill one a little more than you did yesterday, and you're good. Next day, do the same thing till your last breath. Life is simple. Just be a little better than you were yesterday. And so Waz's Warriors and a group I work with in, uh, in Calgary as well, there's 18 of us, uh, athletes, ex-coaches, ex-pros, psychologists, um, and I bring my, my expertise into that as well is we help people move through that continuum. And um, the biggest step, the most courageous step, and I couldn't even do it, my son had to die for me to do it, is to ask for help. 
And it's the hardest thing in the world. And anyone out there who needs help, I beg you, pick up the phone, reach out to someone you trust and ask for help. We're all dialed in together. We can't do this alone. And I, I just urge you to reach out and ask for help. And people like me are there to help your friends, your family, your church, whoever you trust. And that's where it all starts is that first step. And how often do we try to do it by ourselves? How often do we say to ourselves, you know what? I don't need any help for any various reasons. I mean, Tony, you said you were a, a closet drinker. How come that wasn't out in the public? You didn't want anybody to know. Is, is that a part of it? And again, and if that is a part of it, it's because you want them to see you in a certain way and you, you know, and you don't want them to see you in a certain way. And again, as you were both mentioning, when you can let that go, when you can stop carrying that around and go, here I am, you got the good, you got the bad, you get all of me, either love me or leave me. That's what I think. So you got to be vulnerable with yourself oh, yes. enough to be okay with who you are. And that goes, goes to what Tony says is who cares what other people think of you. Being vulnerable, that can be tough, can't it? I, I mean, so how do you learn to be vulnerable? It takes courage. Um, it takes uh, self-love. It takes putting you important enough to basically understand it. And me as an addict, the one thing I need to do every day is not drink. So the only way I can do that is, is no secrets. And when I put my head on the pillow at night, I'm good with the world. So the way I do it, Poncho, is that vulnerability starts from going from my head to my heart. I'm a man. I'm not supposed to. I'm supposed to think with this. Screw tradition. I'm going to be a new man of the ages, and I'm going to be vulnerable and listen to my heart. My heart's way ahead of my head, my instincts, my gut. And whatever enters there, hmm. I reach out. And, you know, I'll text Amber uh, out of the blue and just, you know, how's your day going? You know, I'm proud of you. Keep it going. Whatever's in there, I trust it. So the vulnerability starts here and it's there. That voice is there. And I think it starts with listening to it and acting on it, having the courage to act on what's in there. I, so many of, so many of us want to listen to this. Yeah. And you got to use it. Sure. I mean, you, ha you have to exercise it. Your brain is like any other muscle, but you are so right. Those feelings that you get when the, when the hair stands up in your arm, that's your heart. That's your intuition speaking. And, it will guide you, whether you know it or whether you don't. Once you find it, once you, could, once you can put faith in it, life gets so much easier and so much happier, doesn't it? At least that's how it was for me. When I stopped listening to this, I'm still using it, when I stopped listening to this and started listening to this. Amber, was that, was that similar? Is that similar with your story? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, stop listening to the mental manipulation that comes with addiction. Hmm. Trying to put that and the fear, the fear of, of the unknown of coming out of addiction and the fear of having to deal with your problems and all the things that got you to, to addiction in the first place. Yeah, fear like ego. They are not good things 
to have in your world. And I think they stifle us. They stifle people from so much that we want to accomplish and something that we could accomplish if we would just only recognize that we are who we are. We emote how we emote. And damn it, that's okay. You know, otherwise you just start carrying around all of this weight little by little by little. And it weighs you down. It weighs you down to a point of where you can't even move anymore. And then after that comes the despair. And then after that, next thing you know, you you don't think anything of yourself anymore. And it happens fast. And you can't see the forest for the trees. And Amber brought up a good point as you did, Poncho, the word fear. And for those people who don't know this, the Fear is the strongest emotion, and the only exception is hope. So if you have the ability to figure out a solution on how to get to hope, for me, it's gratitude. And if I get to gratitude and I'm grateful for breathing, my eyes opening, having uh, a life, then that slowly takes me to hope. And I truly believe when you're grateful, it's pretty hard to be fearful. And fear is a huge one to overcome. And for those of us who can surrender, uh, those of us who have higher powers, whatever those are. It helps you kind of realize that you're not alone and you don't have to take on the weight of the world. Yeah. And all those fears happen. But I'll tell you, if you can somehow get to hope, and my my solution, I do it through gratitude, allows you to kind of manage that fear and almost suppress it. Feeding the white wolf, feeding the good wolf. Right. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Not the bad one. See, look, I'm already learning things from you, Tony, and we've only been talking here for 40 minutes. Um, W-O-Z-S warriors.com. Did I get that right? You did. Yeah, absolutely. Waz's warriors. Is there anything else on your mind, Tony? Is there anything else on your mind, Amber? I know that I'm just so thankful that Tony agreed to come on here and share his story and the day couldn't have been more ironic if that's the word of, oh. that we're going to use around this situation um i'm i really am just so thankful to have met you and have you a part of my life and bring you onto our collective journey and be a part of this journey and it's really amazing you have a you're just such an inspiration tony and and hearing you talk i know you're talking the talk and you're walking the walk because you have lived it. You have faced the fears and you have overcome and you have replaced that with gratefulness and hope and being aware and being present. When we have those bad feelings, I don't think we need to push them up. I think we need to be aware of them, but we can't let it take over who we are. That's, that's what, that's what I've learned here in the last 45 minutes. And connection is connection is so important to, to trust people you know, they talk about an animal giving you his belly. We all have those people that we trust. And when you're vulnerable and you reach out for help, those people, no human being who cares about you is ever going to let you down. Just have the courage to do that. Um, platforms like today, I'm so grateful to be part of this. Um, you know, Amber and I, we cross paths for a reason. And I wish your podcast so much luck because with the world we're living in now, this is so needed, Poncho. I see on the other end of my business, marriages dissolving, suicides, addiction, incarceration, hopelessness, and we need love. River Phoenix, I'll I'll, I'll finish with this quote. Um, His brother, Joaquin, won for the Joker, and it was the most powerful acceptance speech of the Academy Awards I've ever seen. And he finally finished it, and he said, my brother, River Phoenix, who overdosed in 1993, 
He said, you run to the rescue with love and peace will follow. Amber talked about self-love and kindness, the community of love and kindness. It, you don't know what people are going through and you just got to spread it. And this podcast and this message is so important and I'm just so grateful to be part of it. Amber, I want to thank you for introducing me to Tony. Tony, I want to thank you so much for making the time for us, for being so vulnerable, for showing how it should be done. I really, really, really hope that we have you back on a on a future podcast because I have thoroughly enjoyed this and it has been very enlightening. And so thank you to the to the both of you for well making me a better person. And hell, y'all did it in less time than it takes to cook a steak. So thank you. Uh, I'd love to come back anytime. I'd, uh, I'd welcome an opportunity to come back and hang with you guys. It was really a lot of fun. And, and uh, Godspeed to everyone. Right back at you. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Amber. Thank you so much, Poncho. You're a blast as always. Oh, I really appreciate that. You know what? Um, well, like... You feed off the energy of others, don't you? And I think that's a reason of, of why we get rid of the bad people in our lives, you know? And it's amazing. Whether you know it or not, you put out those good vibes like you are, Tony, and you put out the good energy like you are, Amber. And even though this is all over Zoom, I'm feeling that. I'm taking that in. And I'm smiling a lot more now. I mean, I woke up in a good mood, but I'm smiling a lot more now than I was, say, you know, nine, ten hours ago. And so that's because of you. So... Thank you to the both of you very, very, very much. I've got a rowing machine that's uh, that's waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hurt your back like Ryan. <laughs> I won't. I won't. Thank you. We'll I'll make, make sure fun to stretch. Ryan because he can't defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you so right, much. Right. Have a great day. That was fun. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Thank you for listening.